Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning, happy Monday, happy Holy Week. All right, we're here, let's do this. Can you believe it's Holy Week already? Yes, I can, it's been a long Lent. <laughs> I, I was talking with Lewis this morning, you blink and it's the 11th of April already. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And now the next month and a half just flies, it'll be June before we so, know it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, but you know we, we're looking forward to it. We had a great Palm Sunday, lots and lots of people, <laughs> lots of Palms left over. We kind of overdid it on the order, but uh, it's we were better, think- better to have too many. Yep, absolutely. Than, than not people enough. were walking out. You know, like if they were going to build palm palm huts and paint their homes. But no, it was a great Palm Sunday. We had a, we had great crowds at every mass. Uh, people were happy. People were were. I had, I had one person who told me this was the first time back in church since since COVID. Wow. So I mean that was that was last night, and uh, and it's almost you know. It used to be more common as uh, when we were closer, you know, last year or the year before. But uh, no, to have it this week, it's 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 pretty cool, and and we'll hear more of that next week when we when we get into Easter. But it was it was a great it was a great Palm Sunday, and and the liturgies were beautiful, and and just seeing the people, you know, joyful to be back, and and I just yeah. love seeing a full church. Now there's, here, there's now, nothing like a full church. No, and 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 Father Omar, you know, he had the twelve thirty mass. And the usher said they counted 750, and Father Omar said that was the largest Spanish mass he celebrated here. You know, the at least 1230 mass, and and I would and I would concur. It was it was you know we may have had more on East on on Ash Wednesday at 5:30 maybe, but uh, no, we weren't messing around yesterday. And and it's funny because you could tell who <laughs> you could tell who who listens to the podcast. I had somebody walk up to me and say. Father, don't worry. We're not going to be. We're not going to be making crosses during mass. And I'm like, I'm like, huh? He goes, you said that in the podcast. He goes, oh, that's right, I did. And I said that in the podcast. I, uh, you you put it in your uh, in your bulletin column. I did also. Yes. Yeah, so I put before, that out. I put it yeah, since that out. we extended the start time to 10:45. My friend Sergio was in uh, another loyal listener was in the pew in front, mm-hmm. and he was making his palm cross. I mean, that's and I just I went, Sergio, I see you, I see you. And he, goes, <laughs> he said, he said during the homily. I'm no. not doing. It's not during the mass right now, so I'm. <laughs> but, but but at least I mean, God bless the God bless the people. God for being obedient to their pastor. I mean, the the point that I was ma- the, the larger point that I was making last week is, listen, we have enough to distractions. Oh yeah. Uh, outside in the world, you know, we both have our phones in front of us, and and you know, we're we're constantly distracted, and and so it's like we're handing you a distraction, but it's not supposed to be a distraction. It's supposed to be. We're supposed to use it. You know, to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem, to welcome the procession in, and that's it. We we put it away. I I always pre you know I didn't do it yesterday, but I've often preached on how what a dramatic turn the liturgy takes from the Osana to the Son of David, and all glory, lot and honor to you to you, Redeemer King. Mm-hmm. We're singing this, and literally maybe three minutes later, we're saying, "My God, My God, why have you abandoned me?" The liturgy almost turns on a dime. And it's it's the beauty of of the liturgy, the beauty of that day, of Palm Sunday, of the Lord's Passion, that we meditate these two realities. And in fact, I had one person 
that you know people are very inquisitive and they asked and, and and he asked me on i don't know if it was on saturday night after i finished mass or or, or on sunday morning asked me father why don't you know why why do we do the you know just the you know the the passion instead of just doing the palm sunday gospel when the gospel is usually read right. and concentrate on that i'm like well because you know not everybody comes on good friday and so we we celebrate this so that next week you know we're celebrating the passion today so that next week we could look right. forward to Easter Sunday. I'm sure there's a much, you know, more uh, theological and liturgical answer than the, the simple answer that I gave him. Uh, but we meditate these two realities. Jesus journeyed into Jerusalem to die, and that's what you know. That's what we contemplated yesterday during this. You know, during the long reading of the gospel. Another uh, CJ came up to me after 5:30 mass. He goes, "I always forget how long that gospel okay. is." You know. <laughs> Did you do long version or short? Well, at the five o'clock mass, I did the short version because I know my crowd, and obviously at ten thirty we're there. Yeah. At ten forty-five mass, we were there, um, and we did the long version in that one. It didn't, it didn't to me? It didn't seem very long. I mean, I, I, I was, I've, I've felt it. it longer before, but right, no, and 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 I, I have to tell you, I don't know why, um, maybe because five o'clock was a little more chill. Uh, I got into the mass a little deeper, and I and I want to say that I, I think I preached a better homily. Uh, at five o'clock on 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 Saturday, it was you know there wasn't the the craziness of people, there wasn't yeah. the crowds, or you know because you're you you know as a priest as a pastor you're worried about okay are people good everybody have palms everybody's right. in and then getting to the back and and organizing the you know everybody in the back you know and and people coming up to the while you're doing the prayers people coming up to the yeah. to the table to, to, get to grab palm. to get yep. their even though the ushers are handing them out you know that's which is fine but you know I I just I don't know why I found it. Uh, I like doing that mass on, uh, and I and I usually do the, the the vigil mass on on Palm Sunday. It's just it's chill. I like doing also the first Sunday of Advent vigil mass because yeah. it's the first mass of Advent, first mass of the liturgical year. I, I like doing those, and and it was it was very chill, and I and I was more into it. I was into every word, and even though we did the short version, yeah. you know, I, I was into every every word of the of the gospel, and you know. You already have your homily prepared, but you're he you're hearing the gospel, and, and there's you know you could that's why they have the sermon in seven words. There's so many things that you could preach about in both gospels. Yep. So you could you have the option of doing a brief homily at the entrance of the church. We didn't, but you know to preach on that gospel we just heard. But when you read the, the long gospel, there's so much you could choose oh, from. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a fan of the long version. I would actually <laughs> I, I told you this. Uh, before the weekend, when when we were finalizing the binders and getting everything set, I, I didn't realize how much gets cut out in the short version because mm -hmm. it, it skips well past the last you supper. You don't have the last you, supper. The, you don't have the. You don't have Peter's denial. You don't have um, uh, Judas's betrayal. Yep. Uh, no, I, most short versions, I believe, it's is just you know it starts off with Jesus before Pilate. Yep. You know, and it gets gets to the nitty gritty. Uh, there is no short version on on Good Friday nope. of the Passion of John. <laughs> There's no, I mean, but John is, you know, John doesn't have the, the Last Supper. We already did that on Holy Thursday. John is, 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 is to the point, John, you know, there's a lot of more back, there's more back and forth between Pilate and Jesus and John's gospel. Um, there's a lot more into Judas's betrayal. I preached about that this morning in John's gospel. So you, you could see the contrast. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the gospel, the Passion of John is read every Good Friday, whereas on Palm Sunday, right. we rotate right. every three years, Matthew, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So that's where we are. And, and 
and and the people were were, were into it. At five o'clock on Saturday, you know, the choir parts, the people were like, you know, weren't very into it. No, yesterday they were into it. Right. Lewis told me it was also because the choir. He had given them all and said, "Do the choir, but Luke, do it really loud and do it very, you know." Yeah, but I, they did get the crucify him part on five I o'clock. T- I told them because uh, this the missalettes we have now, and Lewis is going to laugh when he hears about it because I I mentioned it about seventy five times last week. It doesn't have the choir parts bolded, so if if you're not used to coming, if you don't know, yeah, you know, that that the the assembly reads the choir part and it's not bolded for you, yeah, they they got it, but they got it. It was it was nice. It was nice to hear. They got it. So the fighter, the fighter. I like this. You like that? I like this. No. So what happened was I preached on. Uh, I guess you could say I could preach on the tenth sta- on the tenth station of the way of the cross. Uh, it's and, and I said it. it you, there's so many things you could preach on, and I focused on when Jesus was stripped of his garments. Never had occurred to me before, and it really wasn't. I I can't take credit for it. That it was. I mean. I can't take credit for original thought because it's something that I stole from a children's way of the cross that we heard on on Friday. So Friday, our third graders did their living stations of the cross. Now, at every school that I've been at, the stations of the cross are always, every school I've gone to, have always been presented by the eighth graders. You know, maybe once or twice by seventh mm-hmm. graders. And when I when I was at Divine Province, where we didn't have a school, it was by the kids of the youth group. We knew we they, they did the living stations, so nice. we're usually teenagers. Nice. So when I found out when I got here, I said third grade does this. I'm like a little young, and you know I, I didn't expect it to be the powerful experience. You've seen it, the powerful experience that I you know had on Friday. You know two year, two years ago, obviously we didn't do it because of you know everybody was shut down by COVID, and last year it was done virtually. But to see it in person. Yeah. That was, wow, that was that was pretty powerful. And so I focused on the ten station. And there, what what happened was there was a, there was a little girl that was at the pulpit who was kind of like guiding everybody. And then there were prayers. There were actually two things. One was a meditation by one of the children, then yeah. followed by a prayer. So the meditation for the tenth station. It was basically the kids were sitting in the pews and they were just passing the handheld mic, right. the wireless handheld mic. From from kid to kid, and you know, we have, I think what's what's really striking is to hear it in the voice of a child, right? I because we're so we're so used to you know praying the station of the cross on Fridays, and and it's you know adults and and older people or or you know liturgically led by a by a deacon or a priest. You know it, we're we're so accustomed to adults, and and you said it even even in schools it's mostly older students, mm-hmm. so so you don't get you know that innocent voice. Of a young child, and sometimes that innocent voice can, you know, can direct our yeah. attention to where God wants us yep. to direct our attention. So here I was, and Friday I really didn't have my homily that well formed, and then this kid says this, and it just blew me out of the water. So I apologize for the sound quality of this because it's it's taken from the YouTube broadcast of the live stream of it. But here's what they present the tent station. They just stripped Jesus of his garments. And this is what this little boy says. Step up close to Jesus. Stands there without his clothes. He is like a wrestler or boxer who takes off his ordinary clothes so he can fight better. Jesus is getting ready for a fight too. He's fighting against death and sin. He wants to win the fight. He wants to make it possible 
for all of us to have a life that lasts forever in heaven. We're on Jesus' side and want him to win. Whisper to him in your heart, Jesus, I'm cheering for you. That was, wow, that little accent too. No, 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 it's like, you had a little bit of a New York accent <laughs> there. You, you almost picture him wearing the boxing gloves there. Like, yeah, let's go fight. Let's and go. here's the beautiful thing. I talked about this child at the mass and how he beautifully, how he said that so beautifully. I'll read it back for you. Those who couldn't understand, I'm going to read back. I have the script in front of me. But uh, he comes up to me after mass and says, Father, that was me. That was me. That was the, I was the one. And That's I was like awesome. so overjoyed. I... I'm, I'm, I I don't remember why I thought he had a lisp, you know, in my memory. I thought it was just, he had a, like a raspy New Yorker. He had a big, tough New Yorker voice. <laughs> so this, this is what he said. Step up close to Jesus. He stands there without his clothes. He is like a wrestler or boxer who takes off his ordinary clothes so he can fight better. Jesus is getting ready for a fight too. He is fighting against death and sin. He wants to win the fight. He wants to make it possible for all of us to have a life that lasts forever in heaven. We are on Jesus' side and want him to win. Whisper to him in your heart, Jesus, I'm cheering for you. And, you know, when you hear that said out of the, out of the voice, you know, with the voice of a child, when he says, you know, we are on Jesus' side. He said, and he said it with so convicted. I wish I had his name. He said it with so much conviction. We are on Jesus' side and and want him to win. It's like we talk about uh, a lot about sports on this podcast, and it's like, you know, this yeah, is... He's, he's a, you picture him in the corner, right? With taking, no, and taking, take, that, taking that robe off taking, and like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right now, MMA's all the craze, and people gather together to watch these big fights and, the, and these big things. And But I wanted to focus on that aspect in that our Lord fought to the death for us. Our Lord gave his last ounce of blood for us. And so you think of the children who are, you know, the gospels say were the ones who were picking the palm branches off the palms to, to welcome into Jerusalem and didn't know what was going on, you know, five days later. You know, the children saying, Jesus, we're cheering for you. We're rooting for you. We want you to succeed. Now, Satan's trying to bring him back and doesn't want him to succeed. Falls, he falls, he falls, you know, barely makes it up Calvary, needs Simon's help, and, but he needs to fight until the very end. And that's what, to me, was, was so beautiful, and the, probably the most impactful thing, that everything, you know, was powerful, but for me, it was the most impactful thing about that, about those living stations on, on Friday. Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, a few weeks back that I was starting the St. Joseph consecration, and it was... It was only uh, providential that the, one of the reflections I read last night was this idea of of Joseph as young and energetic and you know full of life, you know, and and teaching Jesus, you know, that as a young man, you know, we picture Joseph typically as, as an older as an older person, but the the reflection says, you know, picture Joseph as a young person, you know, who who taught Jesus, you know, how to labor, you know, how to work. You know who taught him how to be strong. You know, so so going from Palm Sunday Mass and, and you know your homily and your reflection on this image of Jesus as a fighter to then reflecting on on Joseph having taught Jesus you know how to be strong. I was like, wow, what what a powerful image. You know that 
so often we, we look at the passion, you know, we say, yeah, you know, Jesus was divine, you know, and, and we kind of overlook the fact that it was difficult for him. You know, I mean, it, it smacks us in the face. You know, that we as, heard he rested at this chalice passed from me. Right. Uh, you know, that, that there was a very human, a very, the most human element to the passion, you know, and it took incredible strength. You know, so as I'm as I'm going, you know, listening to your homily and, and reflecting on, on, you know, what what you shared with us, and then I'm reading this reflection on on Joseph teaching Jesus how to be strong, you know, and kind of putting all these pieces together. Uh, wow, you know, what what a powerful way to start Holy Week, you know. Picturing, you know, imagining, you know, reflecting on the extraordinary strength that was needed by Jesus. To, to go into this fight. And to go deeper into this analogy of a fighter, of a boxer, the amount of training that goes in yep. for them, endurance, because yep. in fighting it's not just about the, the jabs or, or the, or the counter punches or, or the uppercuts, it's about the endurance. You know, you do it three minutes at a time, depending on 10, round, 10 rounds over. You know, Ali and Frazier went 15 rounds. Yep. To me, it was like crazy. Almost killed each other in, in the Thrill of Manila. But... You think about the endurance. So Jesus, if you look at the physical aspect, had to be a very well-fit, yep. he's a carpenter, well-fit man, strong man, obviously <clears throat> spent his life walking around, yep. you know, you know what is known as modern-day Israel, from Galilee to Judea, Judea to Galilee to, you know, all the way up to Caesarea Philippi at one point. Uh, Jesus, you know, did a healthy amount of walking. Jesus, you know, labored. What I love about one of the things I love about the chosen, the, the TV series, mm-hmm. is that you know, yes, of course, Jesus did not have a home of his own. So they showed Jesus, you know, setting up camp and and you know and and doing all this manual labor. You know, Jesus was a man like us and yep. experiencing what, like Saint Paul says, experienced everything we experienced, but sin. And obviously, like you said, the most human thing that he experienced was death. Yep. You know, he's there, but to be able to endure. The flagellation, to endure, you know, the beam of the cross put on his shoulders and to carry through the streets of Jerusalem all the way up to Calvary, to endure the crucifixion. And that, and that's itself. not an easy walk. No, I've done You've that. Done walk. It, I've done it, and that it's it's not. And we're doing it without now. And, and a, we're you're, we're doing it on paved uh, walkways. On paved walkways, <laughs> and we're not, and we're wearing shoes. Yeah. So. Uh, and if, if they if we do carry the cross at some point, it's a very it's not the cross that he carried. Yep. It's a small cross, you know. It, not that it's not flimsy by any means, but it's it's not it's not the, the same hard cross that Jesus. And that's why he fell three times. And to endure just that, you know, the the three hours that he spent on the cross. It had to take because he wasn't done yet. I I almost went into this yesterday, but I, I and we needed to keep the homily brief. But the great act of mercy that Jesus offers on the cross, when Saint Dismas, the good thief, asks for forgiveness, he's being he, obviously Jesus being mocked by the other criminal. Yep. You know, you, you know, you say, you know, you say, there's son of God. You know, get down from the cross, but get us down also. Right. And the, <laughs> Saint Dismas is like the good thief. Have you no shame? We deserve to be up here. We're criminals. This man has done nothing criminal. Jesus, remember you when you come into your kingdom. And then this great act of mercy. Today you will be with me in paradise. May I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He offers up this final prayer, this 
this last gas prayer the good thief does, and it is answered. But not only that, not only the, the words that we hear in the Gospel of Luke, but the words we hear in the other Gospel, the seven last words. Jesus' ministry was not done on the cross, which is why in, we're going to hear on Friday in the Passion According to John, once everything is done, he says, it is finished. So he had to endure those three hours because he had not given us Mary as his mother. He had not forgiven the good thief. He had not finished all of his teachings. He was still had those, one, those last couple of lessons to teach us, and only a strong, fit fighter and, could and, do that for you us. Know, you, you can picture you know, this, this image of the boxer kind of staggering around, you know, completely spent, you know, but, but using every possible ounce of strength he could muster you know, to, to try and keep his feet, you know, to keep mm -hmm. going, to make it to the next round. You know, to, to just, you know, put one foot in front of the other and, and keep going. You know, you, you, you ha it's such a, a beautiful image, you know, bloodied and beat up. You know, you, you can almost picture the boxer already, you know, with, with blood streaming down his face and, you know, bruises and, and bumps all over. You know, just that extraordinary struggle, you know, that very human struggle and, and a, Again, that that's the that's the image that has hit me so hard you know, as we enter into into this entire week, you know, let alone the Triduum uh, and and the Gloria that comes on Easter Sunday. So at the end, so when I started the homily yesterday, I, I referenced that the first thing that came to mind when I'm I'm listening to this child give this analogy of of the boxer of the fighter was. Simon and Garfunkel's song, The Boxer. And the last verse of the song goes, in the clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade, and he carries the reminder of every glove that cut, up, that cut him and, wait, that, of every glove that laid him down and cut him till he cried out in his anger and his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. I didn't go much into that, to leave it to everyone's imagination. Um, that's what the podcast is for. That's right. So, but you listen to that verse, and it, and it's so powerful. And and I said that it, that that was mentioned in in a sermon that I read twenty years ago, when I was on. Well, I heard it for the first time, and then I I bought the book, and you know I read it right around the time that I was ordained a priest, and it's so beautiful the way that the preacher you know expands on that concept of the fighter, that okay here is Jesus. You know, he's the boxer. He's left everything out on the ring. He's left everything out there. Like, you know, you, you say a player leaves everything out in mm -hmm. the field, lays everything out in the court, has given everything he has, what you were just saying. But now, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I've taken it to distance. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Boom. Now, the world sees defeat. We see victory. You know, it's like, it's not that he threw in the towel. You know, I'm holding up a napkin that I have on here and just throwing it. But no, it's not that he threw in the towel. It's that he said, it is finished. What he meant to accomplish in the ring, in that, in that arena, that fighting arena, where he is battling sin and death, where he is literally fighting Satan, he accomplished and he won. And so to go back to the, to the lyrics of that song, you know, and he carries a reminder of every glove and, that laid him down and cut him till he cried out 
in his anger, you know, he, he, he carries a reminder. The scars of Jesus are still there. When he appears to, you know, to the 12, when he appears to Thomas, he shows them the scars. He shows them the, where the nails were. He shows them where the spear struck him on his, you know, where they pierced him on his side. The scars are still there. It, it is, you know, it's, you know, there was, I forget what it was, that there was some saint, I, you know, I, I really should have mentioned if I don't remember that well, but I'm going to mention it anyways, that there was one saint that, that, Thought that it was an apparition of Jesus, but realized it was Satan tricking them. And the reason we realized it wasn't an apparition of Jesus because Jesus didn't have the scars. It's such a beautiful theology. It is. You know why? Why the resurrected body of Christ continues to bear the scars? There's only one person in heaven who has scars, and it's Jesus. Because, and I've said this to people who suffered death. Mm-hmm. You know who's you know who may have either through an accident or who have been, you know, scarred by all the IVs they put on them, and all that, no, the glorified body. But Jesus still bears the scars. By his scars, by his wounds, we are healed. And so this image of the boxer, the boxer has the marks of an evidence of his fight. You know, the the bloody lip, the the punched out eye, the, the cauliflower ears, All these things are present, and you okay. That's a boxer. That's a fighter. Jesus carried those marks also, and they're a reminder to us of what He did for us and the love He had for us. This is the love that I have for you. That I am enduring this fight for you, and that's why we're like the little kids. Jesus, we're cheering for you. We're whispering into His ear, "I'm cheering for you." It's like we're in this ring and saying, "You got this, Jesus. We got you know. We we you know we're there, but He's doing it for us." I love it. I love it. I, I, I said it. This this image is gonna is gonna stay with me for so long. It's just so power. I can't see a boxer the same ever again. <laughs> the thing is that you and I. I mean, I enjoy. I don't watch boxing, no, but now I I, now I, good, I I appreciate so much this image of of a, of a, a beat good, up boxer. There hasn't been good boxing in twenty or something, and I'm not into MMA. You know, every time I look at MMA, I'm like, eh. You know, I'm not into that. But you know, but you you put that image. And you apply it to our Lord, fighting for us. You know, it's and it's what we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, when I went off on resurrection crucifixes. You know, okay. the, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. There's there's a there's a power and a beauty of seeing you know the the the, the corpus the, the body bloody, of Christ yeah. be, bloodied and beat up hanging on a cross. Mm-hmm. You know, there the, and it's that it's what we're that's what we're reflecting on this morning. You know, it's it's through that yes. Resurrection has the final say. Yes, resurrection. At the end of the day, you know that that's not the end of the story, but but you don't get to the end of the story without that first. And the one in our church is pretty sanitized. It is not I've, that we're going to change I've it anytime some, soon. Uh, I've seen some gory. There's one in crosses. Spain that that they did. Uh, we we heard about this when they gave the presentation of the Shroud of Turin uh, last month. That there's one in Spain that they physically built it, or literally built it the physical specifications of what they've learned scientifically from how Jesus' scars were. Wow. And it's somewhere in Spain, and it's a live, obviously a life-size crucifix. And I saw a picture of it. It's impressive. It's bloody. Yeah. Now, in traveling through Mexico when, when I was younger, you would see very, very, you know, bloodied cross crucifixes. You know, they, 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 don't, they don't sanitize their crucifixes like we do here yeah. in the States or in Europe. 
you know, th they have their bloody crucifix and Jesus' hair is all messed up yep. and, you know, and he looks disfigured. Yep. This goes to everyone, pay, you know, we're going to go into the Tritium now, but, you know, pay attention to that first reading on Good Friday. It is extraordinarily long, but so important. You know, he was bloodied. Yep. He did not have any human appearance. You know, look barely you and and you know we did not recognize him. You know, you think about Jesus and you, and you look at the Passion of the Christ. You know that Mel Gibson, uh, you know, directed. You know, Jim Caviezel did not look like Jim Caviezel. If you if you when the flashback scenes of him to the Last Supper mm -hmm. or him with Mary, he looks like Jim Caviezel. They had to put prosthetics on him to you know to show this gory representation because you cannot sanitize the cross you cannot sanitize it you can't you don't make it oh, you know hunky dory you know we i say yes it is a sign of victory for us but he suffered the most gruesome death imaginable if you have a chance google it the physical death of jesus christ what it entail what the crucifixion Just entails make sure, make sure you have a strong stomach for it yeah that. it is it is extraordinarily graphic. And you, wow, and you say, wow, our Lord did this for us. So you said we're, we're going to get into the triduum here. All right, so Holy we're, Thursday. We're, at, uh, we're about half an hour right now. So That's okay. We'll, 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 we'll go through this. So be, be noted. Let it be noted. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to try. <laughs> Holy Thursday. You know, what stands out to you from Holy Thursday? Oh, God, that's, that's uh, it, do I have to pick just one? Mm-hmm. Um, I, my favorite, and and I don't even partake in it personally, but the washing of the feet, it's such a just such a powerful image, and I I think it, it stems so much from you know how close how close I've been to so many priests in my life, you know that that I really understand, I get what's happening there, you know, and, and as an MC, I'm I'm literally standing two feet away from as it's happening, you know, so, so I see not just the, and it's not an emotional thing, but, but, but emotions play a part of it. I see the emotion of you know, the people as they're getting their feet washed, but, but more than that, I see the emotion of, of the priests, you know, as they enter into that. And it's an optional right, but it's such a gorgeous right. It is. And from the perspective of, of me as a priest and as a pastor doing that, it is emotional for me. It is, um, it is the physical representation of what I am called to do every single day, which is to be servants to the servants of God. You know, that's, that's the main title of the church, servant of the servants of God. But it applies to every priest as well, because all of us are servants of God, and we're called to serve. You know, when the priest gets it backwards and, and, and likes to lord it from above and likes to, you know, just stand there and, and give orders and no. When we, when we kneel down, and you have to think about how humiliating it looked to the disciples, because only slaves did that. And that's why Peter had the objection, no, 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 Lord, you're not, you're not, not to me. He goes, and he goes, it has to be this way. And it's happened to me. I remember one time <clears throat> I, was at, I was at an Emmaus meeting, and they were doing the washing of the feet that night. It just said, it's an exercise. And I was there. Had a long day. I'd been up, you know, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'd been up since 6.30 that morning, walking around. And then, you know, I'm just there observing. And then the server comes, she washes everybody's feet, and she comes around to me. And, I'm, and I, and literally, just like Peter, she actually, listen, I go, sweetheart, 
I've been in these shoes since 6.30 yeah. this morning. You really <laughs> don't want me to take my shoes off. And she says, Father, you have to do it. You know, you're, you're being just like St. Peter. And I did. And it was very emotional to both of us. But that's what we're called to do. You know, if, if I, who am your master, or did this, let this be an example and a model for all of you. So that is one aspect. We celebrate on Holy Thursday the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the priesthood. One cannot exist without the other. And that's why we do the Eucharistic procession to the altar of repose. The altar, uh, the altar of repose. And I love, I love the way we do the altar of repose now over in Comber Hall. And, and it's uh, kind of like a 360. You know, before we used to, we used to put it up on the stage. Right. You know, so, so it was just a long, basically another church, literally, Comber Hall as our original church. So, so you'd have seats all the way back. And it was, it was nice, but now with the with the altar in the center you know, and kind of everyone all around, it's so much more intimate and inviting. And, and you know, now we hang the greens off the off the chandeliers, and it gives it that sense of of a garden, which is what what that's meant to symbolize. You know, as Jesus went to the uh, to Gethsemane, you know, to to reflect and to pray and and to to literally you know sweat blood for us in suffering and, and in, in understanding and realizing what's about to happen you know, the next day on Good Friday. Absolutely. And, and when we get to Good Friday, you know, the, cross, the crucifix in the church will be, will be covered. You know, when we bring in the cross to, to venerate, that's covered, and we slowly unveil it to, to venerate the cross. You know, I was, I was mentioning that, that, um, that reading from Isaiah chapter 52 into 53, it, it's, a, it's a pretty long reading of, you know, we're talking about this disfigured Jesus. And so Isaiah is prophesizing about the suffering servant, you know, the one who gives his life, um, who gives his life totally for us and suffers this, this gruesome death. There was no, you know, Isaiah says, there was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, no nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was burned and avoided by people. You think all the people that went about their lives, you know, during the way of the cross. That, you know, when I did the way of the cross in Jerusalem the first time, that stood out to me. That here we are, and we're going through a section of Jerusalem, and there were a lot of Muslims around them. God bless them. You know, that's fine. They live there. And, you know, they're going about the, you know, they've probably seen the way of the cross go by their their shops a million times. And they, they're just going around their, about their business. And that's exactly what happened on Good Friday. How many people just walked away or walked by? You know, at the end of, of, of yesterday's gospel, it says, you know, everybody went home beating their breasts of what, after what they just saw. The women were ones that, the only ones that stayed there. And so they don't want to, you know, and that's why it's so difficult for some people. They want to go to what you said, that resurrected crucifix. Yep. Okay, they don't want to confront the reality of the cross. And that same sermon that I was referencing earlier, the preacher said, no, no, you have to confront. You cannot ignore the cross. You have to confront it. You have to take it in, or else you cannot understand the resurrection. So that's what Good Friday... You know, when, when, we, went, when we went and did it in, 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 Israel, in, uh, in the Holy Land, we got spit upon. Really? We got spit upon. Just I don't wow. know, as we were walking the way, someone spit on us. Okay, and, but I think the indifference is more insulting than than the spitting upon. Yeah. So, 
you know, with, with Good Friday, you know, we said what's our favorite thing about Holy Thursday, with Good Friday, and I, we kind of got a preview of it, well, literally, this, on Sunday, you know, as we're reading the Passion, you know, Jesus gives his last and everyone kneels. And what really struck me this week, more so than, than has happened in years before, is the crying children. You know, I thought the same thing. Because it was total silence. And the only thing you could hear were the kids crying in the in the vestibule. You know, and, you know, we're so used to hearing crying children and, you know, and we've spoken about it at length and, and how encourage that, that bothers people and what, and I thought, wow, you know, what, what a powerful statement that the only sound in the church right now, you know, as Jesus gives his last, I'm getting chills just thinking about it again, is these children crying. And yeah, they don't know what's going on. They're not crying for that, but, but the visceral reaction of just the sound of wailing and weeping you know, as we're meditating upon Jesus Christ that on the cross. To me, silence is, is probably what impacts me the most on Good Friday and what I embrace the most about Good Friday. We process it in silence. We leave the church in silence. In fact, I make it a point to, to remind the people to let's keep this silence, you know, the priest will walk out, walks out in silence, and stay here in silence. Leave when you want. There's no hurry. You know, it'll be a little different because I have Father Omar has a three o'clock in liturgy where it's just a liturgy, and then I have the liturgy in Spanish uh, in the evening, and so after that we do the procession. Right. Um, and and so we, we we don't have that prolonged silence that you walk out in that 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 starkness, that that, that power of that, of that silence, but. But even with the procession, we're talking about the indifference. Now we're we're processing around the block, right. basically, in, in a posh neighborhood in Carl Gables. So it's like it's not going to affect very many people. But when I would do this in other parishes, uh, I think of Divine Providence that for eons, you know, going back to when I was a child, that, that's where the parish where I did my first communion was. I also happened to be my first pastorate. We we walked a mile and a half the way of the cross, and and you would see so many people when we would walk by. People would prepare their homes. It's been going on for almost uh, for more than forty years. Right. People would prepare their homes, and we'd stop at certain homes that we knew the people, and and uh, for every station, and we and they've had a little altar maybe prepared, and I'd bless it. And but yet, still, there were people that were indifferent that they would be going about their lives, and that is one of our biggest sins, and why we can't be indifferent during this week. Okay, let's have Angie contribute to the podcast. She sent us a text. Literally right before we started recording, I don't think oh, you read it. Oh, did you haven't read it yet? Okay, but I'm going to read it now because I thought I thought it was very important. Um, uh, it, it's something that it, it's how we should be going through this week. And so what she, what she said it was it's an Instagram I see it, post. I see it. It's, it says this. It says this. Speak this over your week. I will treat this week as holy, and give it the reverence and honor it deserves. I will do everything in remembrance of Jesus, heart surrendered, and hands available. He is the reason for it all. I will invite the resurrecting power of Jesus into every space. I will welcome the unexpected. My Savior arrived on a donkey. His ways, the greater than sign, His ways 
are greater than my ways, always. I will let the cross carry my burdens, catalyze my courage, and, I can't read that, crown my life life with with victory. I will let the cross carry my burdens, catalyze my courage, and crown my life with victory. This week, I will praise him. He is hope. He is peace. He is life. Which brings us to Easter Vigil, to Holy Saturday, where we're still confronted by that silence. But there, in the Easter Vigil, we welcome the resurrection. I love that, into every space of our lives. Can I just say, before we get into Easter Vigil, sure. that's my wife. I yeah, love true. my wife. There you go. I love my wife. <laughs> yeah, she's had a pretty good week. And she keeps, she keeps bringing it. That's that right. Answer. So... Oh, here we go. Holy Saturday. But I, I, I don't want to get too into this because we're going to discuss it, you know, next I, week's pod. We don't know when we're going to record next week's pod. We don't, we're not going to record it on Monday morning because we'll be beat. But uh, you know what I hate most about Holy Saturday? And, it, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's something that I, I should probably take to, to prayer and reflection is the weight. You know, I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the MC. I'm a liturgy junkie. So, so the Easter vigil, we're not going to get into full details about it, but I mean, the mass of all masses, the liturgy of all, literally the mother of all liturgies. So the wait for eight o'clock on Holy Saturday has always, it's like waiting for the Super Bowl to kick off. You're just like, come on, come on, come on, get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. So, mm-hmm. so that wait, and, and it, it's intentional. That's what the disciples felt, you know, as Jesus was in, in the tomb for three, it's that quiet watching and waiting. And, you know, now, Two thousand years later, we know what's coming, but in in the time of Christ, yeah, it was he was he died on Friday, and and it was the wait. You said you needed to take that to prayer. Let me let me help you in that. Think of Mary. You know, she knew what Jesus said. She held out hope into what Jesus said and to what he predicted, but she had to wait. And you're waiting for, <clears throat> for something that has never been done before. And yet it happened. Now, we only have to wait 24 hours <laughs> because we have, a, we have a liturgy. You know, we're thinking, okay, he died at 3 o'clock on Friday. And this didn't happen until right before the morning, you know, the dawn mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday morning. And we're doing this on Saturday night because we're still observing kind of the Jewish calendar, the Jewish day starts at sunset, at sunset right. okay. So that's why we do it at, at eight p.m. when there's total darkness. Well, it's not to- not completely, but the sun has gone down. Yep. You know, so that's the weight. So yeah, take that to prayer and take that to prayer with our Blessed Mother, which is why on 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 Saturday, you know, fr- Friday night into Saturday, we meditate upon the sorrows of Mary, because while she had hope in her heart, and the kids do mention this. In the last okay. station, while she had hope in her heart, she had to endure watching her son go through this gruesome death. And so that's the weight that we all have to go through as we anticipate the resurrection. Now, for some people who just come on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and then on Easter Sunday, which is fine, the, the Triduum is not holy, they're not holy days of obligation. But, you know, that wait is a week long. You have to wait a week to fulfill my Lenten mm-hmm. sacrifice, to 
Have chocolate chip cookies. Oh, no, but then the cafeteria is closed. So I got to wait another I'm week. I'm telling you, get them from <laughs> and, and and warm them up on, on, on Saturday night after the vigil, you know. So all these things, we have to wait for the final answer from God, which is the victory of the resurrection. And so that's where we are, friends, as we end this pod, this section of the podcast today. Meditating upon Jesus fighting for us, meditating on Holy Thursday of Jesus giving himself to us as food, gives us the Eucharist, gives us the priesthood, gives us an example to follow in the washing of the feet. Watching him die on the cross on Good Friday and then waiting. This week, we wait for the greatest day of the year, Easter Sunday. Running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no brainer. He's a Hall sentence. of Famer. <laughs> that guy just. No, but. Just. No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? This is another one of those weird transitions from segment one <laughs> to segment two. Sports, baby. Baseball. Baseball. We're underway. Yep. And you didn't see any of it. <laughs> I did see the Yankees-Red Sox game last I, I sat down last night and go, I'm going to sit down and watch a baseball game from beginning to end. And I more or less did that Nuts. last time between interruptions and phone calls. And But yes, it was wonderful to see baseball back. Although, there's still a little bit of a sting from the lockout. It was a weird opening day. It didn't feel like opening because it day. Because it was staggered and, and... It was awful. Yeah. I mean, you, you'd think also, they we would... weren't there. Yeah, that... Beside the and we won't be there. No. That's another story Gosh, for the home opener. Um, but you'd think they reworked the schedule to have a, a legit opening day, and it was it was just bad. We it's we have many we have many quarrels with Mr. Manfred, and we'll just leave it at that. So you have to take us home on on what you saw of the you saw more of the Marlins. I don't think I saw more than ten minutes of the Marlins over the weekend. So. Take it away. I can't. I didn't see everything. I saw. I saw enough to know, and and to. And I were actually. We saw, the, what I saw is what I saw with you on, you know, the first pitch yeah, yeah, in yeah. the first couple of innings on 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 Friday. But it has cemented. Uh, we're only three games in, oh, but I'm, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Don Mattingly, here we go. Doesn't know what the heck he's doing with oh, our bullpen. <laughs> he doesn't. And and I'll, what about Filiana Bell in the carpet? Uh, this my, is this is your grief. Yes. This is your gripe. All right. All right, so game one, Jazz Chisholm, bottom of the, or top of the ninth, massive two home run to give us the big lead. homer, yeah. And batting ninth, come on. I mean, I said I like the flexibility that we have with the DH, you know, mixing and matching. But game one, you're batting Jazz ninth. Get out of here. Game two, you put them on the bench. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. After massive ninth inning home run, but we won that game. We did, but. You put him on the the most electrifying. I'm, I'm coming player, off as a Donny apologist. The most electrifying today. player on our team. Game two, you put him on the bench. Don Mattingly would have benched uh, Cal Ripken just to oh just, stop just to get everyone stop a game it. in the opening weekend, stop and it. we would no longer have. No, but you had a qualm with Bender. Uh, 
Yeah. So so you, we trade for this guy. We right? trade for Sulcer as our closer. Mm-hmm. You know, up and coming the the closer of the future for Baltimore and game one save opportunity right off the bat and and you throw Bender out there. And then in the tenth inning, and then okay, so fine. Bender gives up a save. He was the closer last year. Fine. Tenth inning, yeah, it's not a save situation, but it's it's a tie game. We didn't push anyone across, but you know, you're you're still in this. And you throw Bass out there. You know, Bass. I have to watch my language here because it's it's a podcast. <laughs> you know, Bass was awful last year in in close late situations. You know, throw Sulcer out there in the tenth, and, and then I mean, worst. And this isn't on Mattingly, but you get a you get that fly ball, right field, pick off the runner at second. You know, two outs. You you can get out of the inning facing two batters, and then four pitch walk and and a double to win the game. <sighs> You're having. You, you know what? That was a frustrating first game. It was. It was, and then but then you I bench Jazz, and then here's we went, here's you where, win that game. Here's where I tweeted because. Mickey Rowe had another double in game two, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget who, who tweeted. One of the beat writers tweeted, you know, Mickey Rowe have come through with a first hit for the Marlins each of the first two games, and I immediately write back, and I said, so that means we can expect him on the bench tomorrow for game three. And <laughs> wow. what happens? What happens? Game Mickey, three, Mickey Rowe starting on the bench. Yeah, he, he, he came in a pinch hit uh, for, for Garrett Cooper yesterday. Uh Donnie, Chisholm batted Donnie eight baseball. Come on, man. No, I mean, Matadani baseball apologies. I think it's the first. Listen, it's the first series. I, know. I didn't know until we, know, we started. I'm, hit, I'm, I'm hot already. I didn't know until we hit record <laughs> on uh, and I looked up the box score that we have uh, we have LA uh, yeah, today and today. tomorrow. The Angels, uh, who are one and two, also uh, one and three. Excuse me. They had a four game stand against um, against the Mariners. Was it the Mariners? Uh, yes. And so we got Mike Trout, Shoei uh, Otani. We have a great, you know, that's a team that that always, you know, befuddles me because you have the greatest player in baseball. But is he really? Because last, last year he was injured, Mike Trout. Yep. And I've seen him play the natural. I mean, the, guy, the kid has just such natural instincts. Kid, he's not 30. But, uh, but that team, he, he has... I mean, they haven't done anything. They, they they spend and spend and spend and spend, but yep. but nothing. So we got them tonight and tomorrow. Uh, nine nine thirty eight start tonight. So there you go. There we go. So, but the so I, but, I I won't be awake to see Donnie blow another game. No, well, we'll you'll you'll see the box score tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, you know the Yankees had a, and the Red Sox had a great series over the weekend. The Yankees took the series. The Red Sox, you know, salvaged, you know, getting swept uh, last night by winning last night. Uh, both uh, in the first game, which just took forever. I mean, just as any Red Sox Yankees oh, game. I was going to say a Yankees Red Sox game took, took forever. What? Yesterday, they, they they that never happens. Yesterday, they 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 played a pretty good clip. You know, they they were it was it was it was in nine innings, and the Yankees couldn't scratch that that tying run across. They lost four uh, three. They played Toronto tonight, and and Toronto's a team that intrigues me. Okay, Toronto. I I think they take the East. I, I'm, I I'm putting it out there. You know, we didn't do a baseball we, preview. We didn't. But Toronto And I'm, I'm too salty right now to be fair about the uh about the NL East at least. <laughs> but they put out I'm, I'm giving Carly and, plenty of material and, and for, Jeff, our new, for our Passan, new bumper music. Jeff Passan was <laughs> Jeff Passan was on uh on ESPN last night. 
And he said, you go through that lineup and you have Vlad Jr. who hit the one of the hardest the hardest hit home runs in, in Blue Jays history over the, yesterday. You have Bo Bichette. You have George Springer. You have such great talent. Only thing that concerns me about Toronto is their pitching. But, you know, they, they're they there. And, and lest you forget, AL East, top to bottom, except for Baltimore, you know, the Rays are, are always winning. Somehow they find a way to win. And the, and Michael K said, they had a special broadcast yesterday, Michael K and, and Alex Rodriguez. Michael K is the, the, the play-by-play, TV play-by-play voice of the Yankees and has a popular radio show in New York. He was saying, you know, the AL East is going to cannibalize each other. Now, in the Central, you have the Twins, the Astros. I don't know what's going on with them. Actually, uh, Angels are playing the Astros over the weekend, not the Mariners. And, you know, the Astros, I don't know what's going on with them because they've lost a lot of people, you know, to to free agent. Correa left, you know, Springer left the year before. So all the cheaters, excuse me, all the players are gone. Uh, You know, Altuve is still there and he'll get booed wherever he goes. And that'll, they'll carry that with them. They did what they did. Uh, Out West, you know, in the AL West, Oakland just sold everybody. You have the Angels, you have the Mariners, you have Texas. And I'm missing a team out in the West. Angels, Texans, Texas Rangers, Angels, Texas Rangers, Mariners. I'm missing probably the best team in, in Oakland's out there. Who am I missing? Hold on. Who am I missing? I'm looking. I need it's, to look at the standings. Loading, it's loading up very slow. The standings. Here. I'm missing Houston. Houston's. I. I don't know why I'm thinking Houston's in Central. Houston. That's why Houston has yeah, a chance because you they totally have, think Houston's out west, right? Right. No, like <laughs> Texas. You know, Arlington. Uh, but. Well, listen, Atlanta was out in the in the West for the longest time until they re, reconfigured everything. And the Central, you got the White Sox. That's my team in 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 the, in, in the AL. The White Sox have a great lineup. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? You know, the Guardians just because of their stupid nickname, no chance. Then obviously NL East, the Mets will somehow blow it, guaranteed as, as they always do, even though they lead the division. Philly is. Uh, Mets played four games with with the Nationals, a contentious series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they won three out of the four, so we're not in the cellar. Washington is. We have the defending champs, Atlanta, two and two, and I, I, I you know what, Philly. I like their lineup, I really do, and I'm not saying this because I'm friends with the first base coach. Philly's like Gonzaga, though I can't trust them. <laughs> But I, I, I like the addition of Schwarber and Castellano to go along with Harper and the rest yep. of the lineup. I mean, that's a solid, scary yep. lineup. You're talking about Toronto. That, mm-hmm. That's also a scary lineup. In the Central, oh, what's always, go- The Central's always fun. They were saying this last night on SportsCenter. Is Christian Yelich going to figure it out? Because he's been AWOL the last, you know, last year it was totally AWOL. The, really never got it going during the 60-game COVID season. And he had some he had some hits over the weekend, but Milwaukee is sitting there at they lost two of three to the, in, in in Wrigley. Uh, the Cardinals are always there because the Cardinals are just the model of consistency. Mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh forget about it. Then you have three teams in the West, three teams, okay? The Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants. Now are the Giants were they a one year aberration last year? You know they drew us the opening series. Yep. They didn't look like world killers. No, that's a solid team though. They, have, they had nice arm. They had they threw out some nice arms there. Yep, uh, Dodgers. They they lost a two or three over the weekend, and the Padres again threw a lot of money at pitching and at 
you know, at, at the Machados of the world and the and and the Tatises, and what you know, he I don't think he's back till later this year. That's a player you want to see. Yeah. I remember going to the Padres game last year in in Marlins Park because I really or whatever it's called, Lone Depot Lone Park, Depot. because I really wanted to see Tatis play. And what an electrifying player! So Johnny Baseball would have benched him. Oh God! You... <laughs> All right. So who do you have? Who do you have? Who do you have coming out of each league? Oh, we're doing this. Yep, we're doing this. After and we saw no baseball this weekend, so it's like we we should have done this before the season started. But you, even if we saw baseball, you no, really can't form not, conclusions not, uh, not after an opening reason. weekend. No. Let's see. I got. I I really think that Toronto is going to come out. I I agree with you. That's a not good, just that's not a just good team. Remember, we have the wild card series, uh, three games, best of three, then the division series, then the champions. So it's you got to go through more, unless you are the top two division winners in, in the league. So I'm going gonna, gonna to go Toronto, and I'm going to throw Sister Rosalie a bone here. And I'm the going Dodgers? Dodgers. No. I'm going Dodgers. No. Put some, put it, put, I, oh, we can't say that. No. no. We can't put money on it. <laughs> no. I like the, I like the Phillies. The, the, no, I, I can't trust him. I can't trust him. You're your Gonzaga. What are you going to do? Uh, was, I, was I wrong? No, you were not wrong. wrong. <laughs> you were not wrong. Gonzaga did not pull through there. So that, that's our I MLB think the, the, West, the West is just such a a, a competitive division. It's kind of like the AL East. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, you got to... And, and playing the best makes you better. Yeah, so, so I think, you know... I, I think we can overreact after yeah. one weekend, but but that but, division you know, over Kershaw's, the course of a yeah. season. Kershaw's not what he used to be. Kenley Jansen's no longer there. Um, they still have good bats. They have great bats. But I either got San Diego or Philly coming out of the National League and, and, and winning the pennant. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But because I, 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 Do you trust the Mets more than you trust the Phillies? I don't trust any of them. Do you think Atlanta still is going to find a way to get out of it? Like they yeah, always I, do. I think, yeah. Like they always do. The, I, that, the Mets, the Mets will be the Mets, and Philly will be Philly. And Philly will lose 16 of 19 to the Marlins. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Paco. Anyways, so uh, now this weekend, you let the record show what the first pitch of the baseball season was thrown in Wrigley Field at 2.20 on Thursday afternoon in his office. Mr. Santibanez, who's sitting in front of me, was not watching the first pitch we thrown. Was, what were you watching? I was watching the Masters. Masters. Well, I didn't willingly put it on. The, I just with... I just left it on because it was there, and you you had put it on, <laughs> and you left it there. to watch Tiger, the the, he, the triumphant return. He had that a was, great first round. That was nice. No, but you, you talk, had, we talked about uh, going the distance in the first segment. Yeah. For him, I believe. The great accomplishing, you know, he had a terrible weekend. Shot his worst score, matches worst score, both on Saturday and Sunday. Was eight over. Uh, but to hit, to to fire one under on his first day back, to walk that course four times, yep. and the exhaustion that goes with it, yep. that is commendable. And he got the rightful standing up, you know, ovation and from the from the from the patrons there at the 18th, and it was just great. Scotty Scheffler, my goodness, that kid had nerves of steel. I don't feel so bad for putting anymore. No, no. Here's here's what happened. <laughs> now he is model consistent. Cam Smith was make, Cam Smith, who won the Players Championship last month, made a run. We're talking golf on the podcast. Thank you if you're still with us. Um, 
So we'll get to Inter Miami's first win in a second, Carly. Uh, so Cam Smith was making a run there, and then you get to the twelfth hole, and I showed you the twelfth hole that you got to go over that race creek, yep. and the wind catches the ball because it's, and it happens every year. Cam Smith gets his twelfth hole. He's within two or three. He had just birdied eleven, hits it into the water, and it was game over. It was game over. But Scotty had a five shot lead going into the eighth hole. And this is why Hori was saying for putting. He had, okay, he putted it, you know, he had a long birdie putt, putted it close to the hole, and Onka sets up for his par putt, makeable. He'd made every single putt that week that was that distance. Lipped, I don't know yeah. if he lipped it out or something, and then it went a little bit farther. Then the next one he missed also, and he's like, his nerves got it. So everybody's like, all right, come on, Scotty, you got this, you got this. <laughs> it's like, you know, cheering on a little kid who, who keeps striking out yeah. at the plate in, 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 in uh, peewee ball. But no, it was just a just a great great performance. He took the lead on Friday, never looked back, yeah. never looked back, and just just watching. I love Augusta. Talk about a, talk about having a good couple six months there. He He's, got his first win on the PGA Tour on Super Bowl Sunday, February thirteenth. Now has four wins in his belt, including ten million dollars. Now he won two point seven million That's, yesterday. You know, he, he got he's, he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, and now you got PJ Championship <laughs> next month. U.S. Open in June, and then the look US at me Ch- talking talking knowledgeably about golf. Yeah, because now you know the feeling of going out there and yeah. four putting on a green or sticking or sticking <laughs> one in the water. So uh, the Heat clinched the first seed. They start right. the playoffs on, I believe, on Easter Sunday because they have to wait to see who the play-in tournament winner will be. Uh, and maybe I, I maybe Brooklyn or Cleveland looks like unless somebody. You know, has a good week. We play the the lowest seed because we're the first seed, and the Panthers. And the Panthers. I, I I didn't look at the standings. They tied briefly on Saturday. They tied or Friday night. They tied Colorado. Are we gonna have Are we gonna have a Florida Colorado rematch for the? Boy, I'll take it for the Stanley get our, Cup. Get our revenge, and then yes, last but not least, finally, Inter Miami finally gets a win. Leonardo Campana, who I only heard, heard of, him? you know, when it happened because he was he was actually. The sub, because Iwaiing did not play. And the kid gets a hat trick, the first hat trick in Inter-Miami history. So the Herons get their first win. And um, I won't say all is right with the world. You had Greg Cody going on the Herald the other day. Oh, the only fix is Messi. I'm like, really? I mean, first of all, we can't afford him. We don't have any money. We've been, you know, we we had fines by it. I'm going to be at Drive Pink Stadium this weekend. Yeah, you're going to the spring game. uh, Not for a soccer game. You're going to the going U.M. To UM spring, spring game. game. Have fun with that. And you have to come back into the Easter Vigil. So It's a good day. It's going to be a, a fun it'll, day. It'll, it'll make that wait feel a little be, less. Be, uh... Before the podcast started, I go, oh, hey, why, don't we, why don't we record Monday's podcast right after the Easter Vigil? He looked at me and goes, you want to kill me? I go, I'm the one that celebrated the mess. Go, I'm right there with you. So we, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll have for something sure. for you next Monday. Because he wanted to take the, the you know next Monday off, but we have to talk about Easter. It's only right. Only just, right. So, a lot of things happening. Folks, go to our website. I'm saying this is an inside <laughs> joke. You me an Go to cateloff.org. Our, our Easter, our, our Holy Week schedule is there. Confessions are on Wednesday from 7 to 9 is scheduled. But, you know, we'll go until the last person. Uh, our Holy Thursday, Good Friday. We have confessions from 10 to 12. 12 o'clock, it does stop because we have to decorate the church for Easter Sunday. Uh, so, please... Try to go on Wednesday, you know, and have mercy on those who, if you go on Wednesday, don't go on Saturday. Yeah. You know, stay, be holy during the Holy Tridium, unless you do something really stupid. But 
you know, don't go on, don't go on, don't go just confession just because there's confession available. You know, have mercy on those people that have, and that, and that's what we live for. You know, for all of our persons, but for those people that haven't been to confession five, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, you know, have mercy on them that they don't get discouraged when they see a long line. You know, just think, keep that in mind, and you know, focus. We talked about it in the first second segment. We wait. We wait with Mary. We wait for the victory of Christ. And that meditation that Angie sent us, you know, that was so beautiful. You know, every moment of this week, it is holy. Cherish it. Live it. Walk it with Jesus. Walk it with Mary. And we'll see you. We'll, you'll see us. Not see you. <laughs> we'll talk to you again on Easter Monday as we glory in the Lord's resurrection. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.